Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Social Workers Rise. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to share some thoughts that I was having is one, it is really hard being a social worker right now, whether you are in the field, whether you're trying to change jobs or whether you're trying to find your first job out of grad school, shout out to class of 2020, congratulations, but I don't want to get hung up on, you know, how hard it is because I truly, truly believe that through every challenge and every valley, there is something better on the other side. You cannot have a comeback without a setback. Okay. So right now it might be hard if you're really struggling. I feel for you and I'm so sorry, but this is not the end. And we will have a comeback story. It's going to be epic. Right now, we are living through history. The pandemic of our lifetime, I hope it's very quickly over. But we're living through history right now. And we have the opportunity to really, really make a comeback, especially in the field of social work. So I'm doing a special special event this week. It's going to be on Wednesday, May 20th. And the last day to register is is when this episode comes out. So if you're listening late, I'm so sorry. But you know, this is just the beginning. We're going to be doing so many more powerful events and masterminds coming up. So please stay tuned. If you are one of those social workers who just really wants to be empowered, have connections and continue to learn and be able to be the best possible that you can be every single day for yourself, for your family, and also for your clients, then you are in the right place, my friends. And I'm so, so happy to have you here with me, with Social Workers Rise, with our social worker family. So if you want to learn more about the Coping with Crisis event, it is at copingthroughcrisis.eventbrite.com. Dot com. Check it out. Register if it is May 18th that you're listening to this. And I hope to see you there. If not, just connect with me on Instagram. I will be posting events and opportunities as they come up. And I'm super excited for what I have planned going forward this next year. It's going to be super powerful, massively impactful for you guys. I'm so excited. For now, let's check out our episode. Hello. 
Hi, Adora. How are you? I'm fine. Good, good. So thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Social Workers Rise. I'm so excited to talk to you. And I know that you have a lot of great knowledge and experience that I know I'm going to learn a lot about. So I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited for joining. Yeah, you're welcome. So, uh, so Adora, you are a medical and a financial social worker and an owner of, or the, is it a owner or the owner of Shams Law Financial Services? Well, I am a owner because me and my, my husband, we co-own the business. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. I love that. Entrepreneurial couple. I love it. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. So I'm just wondering, how did you, so, okay. I'm, I'm really interested in your story because financial social work is not really a hot topic. If anything, I feel like social workers really struggle with finances and it's not really our strong point. Um, so I'm just curious to hear, like, first, how did you know you wanted to get into social work? And um, there's some background noise, so I don't know if, if you're moving around or not, but we can, we can hear that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So how did you get into social work? Um, I, in college, you know how when you go to college, you explore, like, what do you want to do in life? So I initially went to college for nursing. <clears throat> After, you know, completing the, the prerequisites, I'm waiting to get into the nursing program. And I'm waiting, but I don't like to waste time. I like to be productive. So I said, well, while I'm waiting, I might as well dub a major. I might as well pick up another major. And I picked up social work because it was the closest to nursing I could get it to without taking additional extra class classes. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, well, let me go for social work. It's still with helping people because that was my passion. That's why I wanted to be a nurse anyway, is to help people. And by working in a hospital, because I was working in a hospital all throughout school as a patient care technician, I learned that there are social workers who work specifically in a hospital setting. So I said, well, it'd be perfect just in case if I need a change of, you know, environment, if I get burnt out with being a nurse. So I started that um, degree and I finished it even before my bachelor's in social work, even before I was accepted into the nursing program. So I was like, screw that, drop nursing. Let me go ahead and get my master's because I do not want to go back to school. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't like school because I felt like it, it, it took up so much time, so much of my day. I, I couldn't party, couldn't have fun like everybody else. I wanted to live my life. So mm-hmm. I went accelerated program um, for my master's degree at Barry University. And Where then is I graduated. That? That's in Miami. Oh, Miami, okay. Florida. Yeah, so that was, that was an experience and that was cool. And from then on, I'm like, yeah, I'm a social worker for life. If I feel like going <laughs> back to school, I may do nursing again. But, you know, after getting a terminal degree, there really isn't a reason to go back to school. So 
it was it. I'm a social worker. That's it. <laughs> right, right. So, so you have your, is it your BSW and your MSW? Do you have a nursing degree? No, I have an associate's in science. And that okay. was the prereqs for my nursing degree or the prereqs before the nursing degree. And then I have a bachelor's in social work and a master's in social work. Wow. You are like a triple threat. That is awesome. <laughs> I love that. Thank and you. And especially like, and I can appreciate that spectrum of knowledge as a medical social worker myself, because there's so many ways that a person's physical health impacts their emotional and mental health and coping like so many ways and then the physical symptoms overlap with the mental and emotional symptoms so oh my gosh that's amazing that's so awesome are you you're totally right super happy like I you know how some people they graduate from social work school and then they want to go save the world and they're like oh this is not what I thought yeah, <laughs> I quit. I don't want to be a social worker anymore. It's the, the world is too cruel, you know? Yes, like, I, I, and then they're like, oh, I thought I was gonna make more money and all this stuff. And I'm glad that I had the insight. And I was able to kind of prepare myself for the real world and, and, and kind of know how it is out there. Because it's not pretty. It's not fun. Social work is a hard job. And a lot of times it's, it's thankless, mm-hmm. but you just got to be prepared for that when, when you graduate and go to the field. Yeah. And not take it personally. Right. Every time somebody says, oh, I don't know about this degree anymore. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) (laughs) I am the total advocate for social workers to pimp out their degree. Like you, you went to school for a reason, you know, don't, don't go rack up any more debt. Let's figure this out because with the terminal degree, you could do so much with it. And just a lot of people just aren't aware of, you know, how diverse it is and how diverse our field is. Yes. And how marketable it is. Like we have so many skills that businesses need. We just need to like figure out how to tweak it and how to market ourselves. Um, and you're right. Right, we don't necessarily need a whole new degree to, you know, to even like shift because mar- like social work is so, um, so diverse, but, and you have like essentially shifted. So I'm excited to get to that too. Um, oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so before before we dive into that, what kind of social work have you actually done? Like, I know you're a medical social worker. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, like I said, when I started school, like ever since I was a kid, four years old, I remember writing a, a letter to myself and my mom put it on the fridge saying that when I grow up, I want to be a nurse because I want to help people. I don't know if that was through school or what, because I started kindergarten, but I know I had that. So in my mind, I already knew I, when, I, when I grow up, I want to help people and I want to be a nurse. So in my head, hospital, that's where I'm going to work. <laughs> that yeah. is where I'm going to work. And I've been working in the healthcare field. And my first job was at Target. And after that, I've been working in the healthcare field since I was about nine, 18, 19. 19 since I was 19 so knowing that 
the, the medical field was where I wanted to be. Um, when I graduated from social work school, even during my internship, I tried to make sure I was in a place, you know, like the hospital. So my first internship was in a hospital setting doing discharge planning right under the director. And then for the, my second internship where I did my master's degree, I was in a dual diagnosis um, program helping people diagnosed with AIDS deal with their substance abuse. So I oh, did therapy, group therapy and one-on-one individual therapy for a year. Mm-hmm. I figured out therapy was not my thing because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody loved me and it was just, it's, it's, it's a lot emotionally to handle. So um, I, I found myself taking home people problems and, you know, just like, oh, so I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. therapy isn't my thing. I know I'm helping people and impacting people and they really like me, but it's stressing me out. Yes. So I knew when I graduated, I was not going to be doing therapy. I'm going back okay. to the hospital and I will be working in case management because, you know, I, I have the skills there already. And, and that's just my comfort zone. I felt like, you know, it, the turnover weight is like every couple of, every three days. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have to feel like, oh my God, I'm marrying this person. You know, they're part of my family and I can't believe this <laughs> is happening. I will make sure that this bill is paid <laughs> and mm-hmm. that you go home with the proper resources, you know, so that you are safe. And that was my thing. I was, I was good. That was my mojo. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so I, I love that because there, yeah, there's things that we are just naturally good at. And I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, I suck at this. Like, let me practice it some more. Like, no, no, you don't, you don't need to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. If you don't like it, if it's not your jam, then don't do it. And just like grow in the fields that you really love and, and that you're passionate about. Right. So when I applied for my first job after college, it was in the hospital um, system. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to work at case management. So when they approached me with the opportunity to be cross-trained in three different settings, I had I had started to work in a behavior health setting, the psychiatric hospital connected to the hospital, the acute rehab for um, uh, physical therapy hospital connected to the system and an acute hospital for um, regular medical issues. So I worked in all three buildings doing discharge planning and I worked in the psychiatric, the behavior health um, hospital and an acute rehab, uh, physical therapy hospital, doing discharge planning and uh, concurrent cl- clinical reviews. So I had to make wow. sure that we are getting paid for the patient stay. They're at the appropriate level of care and they get discharged with the appropriate resources to not readmit back to the hospital. So I know that there's a lot of people listening that don't really understand like every like all the terms that you're saying can do you have a story that you can share that illustrates or gives an example of like what you would do at one of the hospitals oh yes so um I can actually go through the whole system with one patient because I had one patient through all three hospitals 
Oh, yeah. Let's hear that. So um, I had experience working in a trauma through my um, my internship. So I was always in a trauma, this trauma social worker in the acute hospital, the regular hospital. And there was a patient who um, tried to commit suicide. So he um, jumped off to his three-story home and he was in the ICU. So I transitioned him from the ICU to the acute rehab hospital because he was all broken up. He needed to learn how to walk again. He needed to learn how to shower. So he was in the acute rehab hospital receiving physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, because he had issues because he has ribs, punctured his lungs and stuff. He has some issues with swallowing. So he needed all of those three intense therapies daily. And they did that in the acute rehab hospital. How long would it now there for? Oh, he was there for weeks. Like he was there for a couple of weeks in the, um, uh, the trauma unit. And then straight from the trauma unit, he went to the acute rehab hospital because when you try to commit suicide, you're high risk. So straight from the trauma, he went to acute rehab hospital so that he can learn how to, um, mobile so he can learn how to walk again Mm -hmm. and he can increase his level of functioning because ultimately he is going to go to the psych facility usually by that time doctors feel like you know with medication and um therapy um at the acute rehab hospital because they do have therapists that go and visit those patients for patients like him who have mental health issues they can kind of stabilize their mood and their behavior at the acute rehab hospital level, but he still wanted to kill himself. He was upset mm-hmm. that it did not happen, and he 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 wasn't stabilized. He he was really, 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 really bad. Mm-hmm. What so was his after age? weeks, what was about his age range? He was about forty, okay. and it wasn't his first suicide attempt. Okay, so he was under close close supervision. So after he was able to walk and um, eat soft foods and he was able to do some things on his own with supervision because he still had to be supervised so he doesn't try to commit suicide again, he was transitioned to the psychiatric hospital that was right next door uh, within the same hospital system to help stabilize his mood and regulate his feelings and medication management Mm. for um mental illness so that's where the psychiatrist was able to kind of get him connected to a psychiatrist that he felt comfortable with because it they all boiled down to he stopped taking his meds he stopped going to the psychiatrist he was going to and a therapist because he didn't get along with them mm-hmm. so while he was in a psychiatric hospital for those another couple of weeks Um, the psychiatrist at the hospital was able to pair him with an in-network psychiatrist and an in-network therapist that would be able to um, help him work through his um, issues in the community. They stabilized his mood and regulated his feelings through group therapy there and one-on-one therapy because they also have therapists in the psychiatric hospital as well and where it's mandated that you go to therapy. So after that, he was able to go home safely with supervision from family and make sure he was following up um, in the community 
with his um, new psychiatrist and psychologist. And not only did we, as the case managers, make the appointments for him to make sure that he has proper follow-up, the behavior health case managers from the health insurance would follow up with him while he's at home as well. Wow, that's exciting. So that's one case from the beginning to the end and all three systems of my experience. Thank you. I feel like that really brought life to, to like your experience and what you do. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That's fascinating. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to get into that when I got hired for that job. I, I had no idea what I was getting myself into and I gained so much experience and skills. So That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's intense. It is. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, like, so you're doing so good with the like hospital work and the medical um, social work and discharge planning. Like what prompted you or what made you want to get like transition to financial social work? Well, actually, I didn't even know what financial social work was. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can start there. And I, I don't really know what it is. Either. And I didn't even I didn't even care, you know. But financial social work is a social worker who specializes in finance, specializes in um, financial literacy. Because what do we do as social workers? We help empower people to get over obstacles that they may be going through. A lot of obstacles that, you know, normal people go through is finances, the lack of finances, you know, the ability to manage money, the, the amount coming in and the amount going out. So um, I became a mom. I became a mom. And after I had my daughter, I went back to the hospital, mm-hmm. back to work after my three weeks. And a lot has changed with my position. So it, I didn't really have like a position. I was just training people to replace me in the areas that I was working, which I, I, I thought was super weird, but whatever. So I also noticed that my salary wasn't increased as the corporation said that it would be if I was cross-training all these areas. Mm-hmm. New director came in, you know how that goes. Mm. So I'm like, okay, strike one, you're not increasing my salary. Strike two, you got me replacing my position with, other people so I was training nurses to do the concurrent clinical reviews in the acute rehab hospital and in the behavioral health setting in the psychiatric hospital so instead of me just doing it they had me training nurses Mm -hmm. to do it which kind of pissed me off because I had the higher degree you know and I've been doing the position and you know no offense against nurses because I love them but I felt like we invest so much time going to school, getting a master's degree, and we're training someone with an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree, and they get paid more than us, mm-hmm. you know? And they actually replace us in jobs where we were effective and efficient in, which is crazy, but it's corporate America. So that was strike two. And then strike three was, I just felt like, I'm going to ask them one more time (laughs) because it got to be more to life than this. I can't even make my student loan payments. I need to make more money. I know. Yeah. 
And it was strike three. I was like, screw this. I got to find something else. Get me out the hospital. Mm -hmm. I need to work from home. I need to do something. I have to level up. And I also read that if you're in a, a, a position for more than two to five years, that means you need, you need to change because your, your, your um, salary won't change until you change. You need to acquire new skills mm. to, to show. So I acquired a lot of new skills. I just needed to get in a different setting mm-hmm. and you know, working in case management, dealing with finances so much, I just decided to leverage that. I transitioned to a position at home. Um, I figured out how to make some extra money using my skills in finance and developed a business out of that. You know, after I said, let me just get certified so people know that I'm legit and I know what I'm talking about. And I developed my financial services business from that. That's awesome. So is there an actual financial like certification, financial social work certification? Yes. Okay. A number of schools have them. What was that? A number of schools have them, yes. Oh, okay. I had no idea. That's awesome. Okay. And something extra that looks good on your resume. But also, if you need to help, if you want to have something on the side, you can have something on the side. Exactly. Yeah. And we all need something on the side because those student loans are no joke. (laughs) No joke. Yeah. So I'm just kind of curious, what do you feel that social workers need to know about the most? Like what's going to be most important for them? Um, The most important things that social worker needs to know about the degree itself or like about about finances. So like um, what's a topic that you feel is a big need that social workers should know about or like people in general like what should we know about finances you i feel like everybody should know that you can budget you just have to be willing to budget Mm -hmm. a lot of people feel like they can't budget but you have to look at your budget and acknowledge that you're unable to manage your money appropriately in order to move forward So reaching out to a financial specialist or a financial social worker or a financial advisor is really helpful instead of just keep repeating the same old thing and, you know, and and lacking, Mm -hmm. lacking in your finances. So it's okay to talk about it. You know how we normalize everything. Um, Us social workers, we normalize everything because why? Nothing is normal. Who's to say what's normal? (laughs) Right. You know? So we're normalizing everything else. We might as well normalize, normalize that conversation about finances and salary. Yeah. Normalize that. Normalize that conversation about creating your own, leveraging your skills and, you know, having a little side hustle. I feel like one of the things that we, that a lot of us have, but nobody really wants to talk about is credit debt like credit card debt, like running up debt on your credit. Oh, yeah. Because I know I was there for a minute. Like I was, I had a new baby. I was in my job. They weren't giving me the raise. You know, like you said, I had been there like three or four years. The raises weren't coming. And uh, every month I was like putting like 
a hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars on my credit card to live, to pay bills, to buy food, to do like the basic stuff. Um, and I was just like digging myself in a hole. And I feel like so many people are there. It's just like we didn't we don't talk about it. Like I barely told my husband. I just told him because I had to, but <laughs> it's like such I don't know I there's like some sort of I don't know if everyone feels like a sense of shame but I felt like embarrassed about it oh yeah so do you have any tips as far as like um like the credit and managing your credit and like is there any way to fix it Oh, yeah. But you hit a point when you say you were embarrassed and you were afraid to tell your husband, girl, I have a story for that. (laughs) And that's one of the reasons how my um, business developed. So um, after having my baby and I went back to work, I actually purchased a house on maternity leave, me and my husband. So our credit was great, purchased the house, but my house was empty. And in order for people to come over and be like, oh, look at my house. I wanted my house to look like a home. Yeah. So I took my little credit card (laughs) and was swiping. I was swiping everywhere. My husband is like, I don't think you should do that. You know, who knows what's going to happen in the future. Things will come when they come. Okay. Mm -hmm, Honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things will come to this house when he was at work. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, my house is going to be so nice and I'll just pay it off. I get a check every two weeks. He get a check every two weeks. Everything will be fine. And then six months, was it six months? Yeah, like six months later or nine months later, actually. Nine months later, he got laid off from his job. And he was out of work for like a month and I had to pay all the bills with my social work check. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The social work check that did not want to increase my salary at the hospital. So I had to figure some stuff out and figure out what are basic needs, what needs to be paid, and what can wait. You know, what, what was not that important? What can wait? And one of those things or a couple of those things that weren't important was my furniture set that I decided to finance and uh, my credit card bills and my student loans. So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep them to the side until my husband get the job back and then I can start managing everything because he had no idea I had all this out. I didn't tell him. I just told him, oh, yeah, you know, just I just figured it out with the money. It was a good sale. You know, <laughs> that's what I did. Try to act like I had everything together, oh, you know? No. <laughs> so after after he got a job, I was comfortable with extra money in my pocket. And I'm like, screw it out of this stuff. I haven't paid it in a month, whatever. And then I kind of forgot about it and forgot about it. And then a year later, I got sued <gasps> from, from a furniture place for $800. Oh my Who gosh. would know you could get sued for $800? I didn't know. So I was hiding the subpoena and stuff. You know, they actually came knock on my door when he was watering the lawn in the back. And I'm like, oh, what? Me? God. Subpoena? Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye, sir. <laughs> and I ran in the room to to read the letter. And I'm like, I'm being sued for $800. I hid that thing until the court date. Called out of work, went to court, and saw one of his friends there. No, you did it. <laughs> Girl, I got busted. 
I left. At first, I said, let me get out of here as soon as I can. The lawyer comes to me. Oh, yeah. So would you like to settle? Or do you want to go speak to the judge? And I'm like, I can settle. I don't have to go talk to her and stand in front of all these people. Let's do this. So I settled, signed the paperwork, ran out of there as fast as I can. Because I was like, hopefully he didn't see me. And he called my husband and was like, oh, I saw your wife in court. And are you guys doing okay? Just being nosy, you know? Like, people, mind your business. And my husband's like, no, she's at work. He's like, no, I saw her in court. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He calls me fussing, cussing, and I just break down and cry and tell him the thing. And he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you. Our credit's going to be shot. And I'm like, but it's my credit. He's like, yeah, you know your credit's my credit. you right. So I said, don't worry. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And um, looking, because I help establish and rebuild my own credit so that we can get this house and I establish his credit, because, you know, the women got to do everything for the men. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I didn't have time as a mom looking for another job. You know, I didn't have time to do that again myself. So I um, came across a company that was able to that I was able to pay. I would say I'm just going to pay them because I got to figure it out. So, you know, Starbucks, all that got cut out. I paid them to help me fix my credit, you know, dispute the negative items off of my report. And also I joined their referral program so that I can make some extra money on the side to pay off these furniture people that I've made a deal with. And that was pretty successful. And learning through that business, I was able to develop my own business. That's awesome. So what do you do now? Like, what's your business? Tell me. So you asked, oh, is there any debt? Is there any relief to um, help people increase their credit score? That's exactly what I do. Uh, with Chancellor Financial Services, I offer uh, financial literacy. I offer um, credit repair. So there is light at the end of the tunnel for people who have less than perfect credit. Mm -hmm. I offer, I help um, strategize. Uh, help people come up with a strategic plan in order to build their credit. And I help people establish credit because um, I have a secure credit card that we contract with to help people, you know, start their credit off. Cause there's a lot of people that are over 18 who have never had a credit card and they don't have a zip of credit. You would mm -hmm. be surprised. That was me. I know when I went to college, they had like these, um, these bank people at the college are like, Hey, do you have a credit card? I was like, no. They're like, you want one? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you see how they give it away so easy? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. They give it away so easy because they know that you don't really know. Mm -hmm. So that's just one of the services that um, I provide. I also do online notary services because I'm a notary in, in Florida and I got certified to complete online notary services. And, um, Another thing that really drove me uh, to partner with this company was that they are able to offer a product um, for advanced directives. All of us social workers know advanced yeah. directives, how important they Wait, are. My, my ears perked up. Power of attorney. So, so <laughs> because I do advanced directives all the time and sometimes I need a notary. So one, you said that there's online notaries? Oh, yeah. It's new since January. Oh, <laughs> that's amazing. 
It's new since January. Yes, so that we are able. So all states that are, um, how do you say? All states that accept online notarizations. I think it's about 15 of them. I can get you the list after this. But all states that accept um, online notarizations, you can do it remotely. So you're able to uh, notarize a document from the comfort of your own home uh, in 2020. Wait, so do you, so when you can notarize, is that in your state of Florida or like anywhere in the 15 states or how does that work? So I have to just physically be here in the state of Florida, but I can do the remote online notary with any of the other participating states. So someone calls me from New York, California, I got them. That is so nifty. I am going to remember that Mm -hmm. and probably use you because, you know, because coronavirus. Use me as your resource. Staying home. That's amazing. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So go on about the advanced directives. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so with that, um, we are able to offer uh, a packet, and it is four documents: power of attorney, healthcare, power of attorney for finances, a will, and a trust. Mm-hmm. And um, you can get the get all of those together, and they're good to use because of the trust included. Good to use for asset planning asset planning. So we, we help with those documents. And um, I positioned myself out of the hospital because I wanted to be able to help people like for real, for real, because working in a hospital and, and a family is in um, crisis mode and they're coming to the case manager's office. I need a power of attorney. Mom's on, um, Mom's in the ICU, unable to speak, and I need to make those decisions for her legally and blah, 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 blah. So the only thing that we can do, um, you work in a hospital, so you probably are familiar, is um, advise them to go seek a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we don't have that resource yeah, it's too late. in the hospital. Yeah, it's too late to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's awful. Right. And then for people who are um, diagnosed with a terminally um, ill diagnosis and they want to plan for, you know, when things get worse, we don't have that resource to give to people because it always involves um, a lawyer and, you know, the hospital lawyers, they don't mix. Mm -hmm. So we can't recommend those services. And we always say, oh, you should probably speak with a lawyer. Those lawyer fees for those documents run from twelve hundred dollars to $15,000. $15,000. It's ridiculous how much it costs is, for those type of documents. Yeah, that is so crazy. And so I'm able to provide them, you know, remotely at an affordable price for people. And I really like that. And I wanted to help. So in order to market the hospital to help the people, I had to remove myself due to conflict sure. of interest. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, not awesome that you removed. It's awesome that you have your own business. There we go. <laughs> No, it's awesome I have my own business. It's awesome I got out the hospital. Because yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be at any place too long with any career. You don't want to be at any place too long. So you're right. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> we got to keep growing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Keep growing. That's, that is totally that's true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adora. Where can people find out more information? Where can they keep getting in contact with you? 
Um, <clears throat> I have a website. So if anybody is interested in the services, they can also, uh, always go and browse um, shamslawfinancial.com. And that's S-H-A-M-S-L-A-W-F-I-N-A-N-C-I-A-L.com. Shamslawfinancial.com. Um, you can also email me at adora at shamslawfinancial.com and follow the Instagram business page called Shamslaw Financial Services. And now my Instagram is a little different because like I said, me and my husband, we own the business. Mm-hmm. So if you look up a underscore credit strat, a underscore credit underscore strategies, you will find my profile and a lot of good helpful tips on how you can probably do things on your own to increase your score. Awesome. And if you guys, if you didn't like vigorously write this down, it's okay. It'll be in the show notes. (laughs) So you don't have to replay it a bunch (laughs) of times. So it'll be there. All the links will be there. Thank you so, so much, Adora. I learned so much and I know that you're doing really amazing things. So, So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for um, interviewing me and allow me to speak on some of the things that, you know, other people are uh, uh, afraid to speak on. Yeah, because I, I tell people I'm a social worker. I'm non-judgmental and I'm here to help you. Like, yeah, to help yes, you. <laughs> I, love it. I like to end on a positive note. So do you have like a favorite quote that you want to leave us with? I do. I do. And I'm trying to make sure I get it right. Okay. It's tell me and I forget, um, teach me and I may remember, but if you involve me, I, I will learn. And that's the quote that always kind of stuck with me when I was working in a hospital <clears throat> because, um, you know, when you get your first job as a social worker, you look at your salary and you're like, uh-uh, I got a master's degree. I should be making way more. Um, I came across this quote and I'm like, as long as I'm able to learn and leverage my skills, I would be able to, you know, um, grow. Mm. So that quote is by Ben Franklin. Tell me and I forget, teach me and I may remember and involve me and I will learn. Yes. So powerful. And it's so true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adora. It was a pleasure speaking with you and um, we'll stay in touch. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you again. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, write a review and give us five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. This just helps other people just like you find us and join our community. Also, I would love to connect with you on Instagram. You can find me at Social Workers Rise. I can't wait to see you next week. Bye.